Let's open our Bibles today to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Today marks the first day of Advent. Advent is a season in the life of the Christian church that we began to prepare for the celebration of the incarnation. It's the time for us to begin to focus on celebrating the birth of Jesus. And in many ways, uh, we can get distracted from the birth of Jesus and celebration of what Christmas really is. And Advent gives us a chance to take some time in the four Sundays leading up to Christmas and each day leading up to Christmas Day to just think about, pray about, consider, meditate on, mark in our minds and hearts the coming of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Today when we uh, come to our prayer time, I want to lead us in uh, praying for this season and beginning our thoughts uh, toward the celebration of Christmas. On the Christian calendar, when we think about the four Sundays leading into Christmas, each one of those Sundays is assigned a different word to celebrate. And those four words are hope and joy and love and peace. Gifts given to us through the birth of Jesus Christ. So today we think of the word hope. One of the songs that we sang already this morning mentioned the word desperation. Sometimes we can be in a place of desperation and not even realize it. And our world was in a place of desperation. We desperately needed a savior from our sin. And God made a way. God kept his promise and he sent us a Messiah. And because of that, one of the gifts we have is the gift of hope. In every situation that tempts us to despair or to give up or to quit, uh, to think that there is no reason to go on, Jesus' life and death and resurrection and his promised return is our hope. And there is no greater gift, there is no greater win than Jesus Christ's gift of eternal life and his win over death. And so today I want to invite you to bow your heads with me and I want to pray with you and for you in regards to the hope that we have in Christ and our preparation to celebrate his birth. Father, we bow before you in this time, in this room together With this body of believers, we identify as Watkinsville First Baptist, and we're grateful. Grateful, Father, for the church. We're grateful for brothers and sisters in Christ. We're grateful for friends and family that join us here today. We're grateful for prayers you answer that we know about, uh, prayers that uh, you answer that we haven't even noticed yet. You're good. You're faithful. 
you are holy. We ask you to help us prepare our hearts to celebrate the gift of Jesus. You in the flesh. You're worthy of our praise. We thank you for, especially on this morning, for the gift of hope. Thank you, Lord, that the circumstances that we see, the things that we can see with our eyes and we experience in the flesh, Lord, we believe because of the hope we have that this is not all there is. King Jesus, we anticipate you coming again. King Jesus, we praise you as the blessed hope. We praise you and we thank you that death, that death does not defeat us. That there's more to this life than meets the eye. And by faith, we believe we will see you one day again. I pray, Lord, for hearts and lives today in this room that are really battling with despair and discouragement, maybe feel defeated, maybe holding on by a thread in the room for some reason today. Lord, I pray that they would find that reason in you. I pray that you would lift their spirits. Lord, I pray that these days that the enemy would not steal our hope, that we would we would live with great confidence because you keep your word. We are thankful to be your children. We praise you as our father. Please teach us from your word this morning and let us walk away from this place more like Jesus, ready to live for you, greatly affected by the hope we have. In Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. What kind of market do you think there would be today for coupons that you could purchase that would give you another hour in your day? Maybe on the way out today, we'd have tables set up, and for $25, you could buy a coupon that would give you an extra hour uh, in, your, in your day or an extra hour in your week or extra. It would be like buying mulligans at a golf tournament. You know, you just... Give me four of those, I'm going to need all four hours uh, somewhere this week. We, we, maybe you've t- taken a moment and sometime last night you glanced at your December calendar and you thought, yeah, I could use a, a coupon for another hour because and the days are full. The list is full. The schedule is full. Maybe you glanced at your email and hit your head and said, why did I do that? And you said, my inbox is so full. Maybe sometime this week you, you walked away from the table into the den and you, out loud you just said, I am so full. I'm so full. The Apostle Paul mentions in these verses we'll read in just a moment that our days are full. Full of something very specific. He mentions that our days are full of evil. It's 
full schedules, full calendars, full lists, full stomachs, days full of evil. What do we do with those kind of days? Think of the story of the air traffic controller. He got the call from the pilot. He says, I need requesting a runway. And he says, take E-27. In another moment, another pilot called in and said, I need a runway ready to land. And the air traffic controller said, take E-27. The other pilot responded back and said, excuse me, but you just cleared two planes for E-27. And the air traffic controller paused and then he said, yes, y'all be careful out there. Is it possible that God in his word would literally say to us in days that are so full, full schedules, full demands, days full of evil, that God would say to us, y'all be careful out there? He does. He does in Ephesians 5 verse 15, he says, be careful out there. Look at it. Ephesians 5 verse 15, he says, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll stop there. Look carefully. Look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk. This word walk comes up again. It occurs several times in the book of Ephesians. There is an occasion in Hebrews where we talk about running the race. There is a time where the Apostle Paul says, I have run the race uh, marked out for me. But predominantly when Paul writes about our relationship with the Lord, he uses the word walk not run. He uses the picture of us walking just step by step by step. In Galatians 5, I believe, he says, keep in step with the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then here, verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. It's a picture of just step by step by step, day by day by day, just steadily walking in relationship with the Heavenly Father as a child of God according to who you are in Him. Taking your position in Christ and fleshing it out in your everyday practice of living for Christ. And he says, be careful how you walk. This morning, in the... Acknowledgement of very full days, full of evil, full of demands, full schedules, full of a lot of stuff. I want to give you something else to be full of. I want to pray for you. I'm making a commitment to you. I'm making a commitment to you for 
now and at least to the end of the year, and maybe it'll just keep on going, to pray for you a three-part prayer based on these verses because your days are so full. And over the next few days and weeks, when you wonder in this full schedules and full demands, issues all over your plate in life, and you might wonder, is anybody praying for me? I want you to know here are three ways that you can be assured I'm praying for you. I want to give you a three-part three prayer based on these verses. And, and here's, here's another piece of this. Maybe it would become also not just my prayer for you, but I would ask you to pray this same prayer for me. And then I would ask you to take this and, and let it be the prayer for your life. Let it be the prayer for your family. Let it be the prayer for those that God has you intertwined with in everyday living. It's a three-part prayer. Number one, I will be praying that you will be full of wisdom. Pray that you will be full of wisdom. I want to commit to you to pray that you would be full of wisdom. Verse 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Carefully walk in wisdom. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. A reminder that uh, being foolish is living a life that has no respect or reverence for God. Uh, in the Old Testament, it says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. To live foolishly is to live like there is no God. And he said, don't be foolish, but walk in wisdom. Why wisdom? Why do we need wisdom? Why do we need God to answer this prayer? Maybe already that's the number one prayer you pray. Lord, give me wisdom today. Lord, give me wisdom today. Why? Because wisdom does two things. Wisdom protects and wisdom guides. And in our life that is so full of so many things, especially in light of a life where our days are full of evil, we need God's protection and we need God's guidance and that's what wisdom brings to us. Wisdom protects. There are no coupons for time. Uh, we won't find those tables in the hall today. I, I was just thinking, if you had like coupons, like, like Cole sends out where you scratch it off, you know. And you're just hoping that you'll get the, the you'll scratch off and it'll say three hours. Somebody just gave you three hours. There is no coupon for extra time. We all have the same amount of time in our day but there can be a better use of time and a better use of time is a time that is used according to wisdom to the protection of wisdom why do we need protect protection and with wisdom because the days are evil what that means is is that there is an enemy and even though we live with hope that Christ has won there are battles we uh, we we Sang it just a moment ago. One of the songs says, There is hope in the shadows. Hope in the shadows. And in our life, there are shadows of evil. There are schemes of the enemy. 
and uh, when I read this verse, look carefully then how you walk. I keep seeing right above it offset words from the previous verse. Probably a hymn that was known and memorized by the people that said, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. You get those connect. It's a reminder to us as believers. Stay alert. Be awake. You need to be awake and alert. Don't get caught sleepwalking because you can be guaranteed of this. The enemy is not asleep. The enemy is alert. The enemy is working. He is, he is surrounding you. You walk into an environment. It can feel safe in here. And we walk out there. We, we walk into the world. And, and we need the protection of, of God's wisdom to confront the days that are evil. The enemy schemes to rob us of our time, to rob us of our days, to rob us of how we use that time. And so wisdom protects and wisdom also guides. He says, verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The word there for understanding means reason it out. It's an invitation to use your spiritual reasoning abilities. Understand what the will of the Lord is. You, you're invited here in the good use of your time that you have today to, to choose a path that is God's will. That it, choose a path that's according to his plan, according to his direction, to make your choices according to how, how he directs. Understand, reason out what the will of God is, what the plan of God is, what the desire of God is. He says in verse 16, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time is a, a phrase, some of you maybe memorized that verse, um, redeeming the time. Be careful how you walk, redeeming the time. It means seize the opportunity. You're given this hour, you're given these teenage years, redeem the time. Don't let the enemy have them. You're given these days of retirement, seize the opportunity. Don't let the enemy scheme and cause you to miss the opportunities that he's given you. He's given you this opportunity with your children, his parenting. Don't miss the opportunity. Redeem the time. Making the best use. That's a Greek phrase that was used to describe a person going into the market and buying up goods. It was the phrase used to describe picking something from the market and, and buying it back, purchasing it. And it's as if he's describing that the enemy's gotten a hold of the days and what we need to do is we need to, we need to buy them back. We need to rescue that time. The enemy that comes to kill and steal and destroy. He's saying, be wise. You need wisdom for protection and guidance. Maybe you've lived through a day where you thought, man, here's a, here's a Friday coming. Here's a Saturday coming. I've got 12 hours. I'm going to be at home. I can't wait because I'm going to do this. And by noon, you feel yourself getting a little anxious. And by 3 o'clock, you can't sit still. And by 6 o'clock, you're mad at everybody. 
because you look back over your day and you're thinking to yourself, there were all those things I was going to get done on this day. There was a way I was going to use this time. And you get to the end of the day and you think, I squandered the day. Where did the time go? You want it back. And here's a call for us in God's word to say, be careful how you live. Be careful how you walk. Don't get to 21 thinking, what happened to my teenage years? Why did I let the enemy have those? What happened to my working years? Here I am retired. Why did I let the enemy have those years? Here I am on my dying bed and I look. And Why did I let evil rule and rob me of those days? God says, be careful how you walk. I'm praying that you'll be full of wisdom. Now, wisdom, let's think about it for just a moment. Wisdom seems to always involve a slower pace. It's very rare for us to think about a person where we would say, you know what, he is, I, I love this about him. He's so wise and he's always in a hurry. We, we rarely say that. And he just, he is so, you listen to him speak, he is so wise and busy, I love it. You just don't see them together. Wisdom seems to involve a slower pace. When we say about a person, he's wise beyond his years, we're usually thinking, that person's really young to be so wise, because in our mind we're thinking over the long haul, a slower pace of approaching life. A person becomes wise. What does it mean to be wise? To live with wisdom means that we notice opportunities. We notice the need to value our time. We notice the need to carefully walk. Here are four four phrases that describe wisdom for me. Number one, wisdom begins, just like the Bible says, with the fear of God, a reverence for God, an acknowledgement of who God is and what God can do and, and that he's at work and he's worthy of a reverential fear. His word means something. and So we, we, it first is a fear of God. Wisdom involves a fear of God. Number two, wisdom involves a knowledge of his word. You won't have godly wisdom if you don't know God's word. And, and it's just the value of reading consistently and repeatedly through the word of God and listening to the word of God taught, both reading the word, memorizing the word, a fear of God, knowledge of his word. Number three, an application of experience. It's an application of experience. We, we fear God. We have the knowledge of his word. We apply his word. We apply our experience in life. We see that in a person and a person takes the mistakes they've made and the right things that they've done and applies it to the knowledge of God's word and the fear of God and they come out on the other side of that just possessing wisdom. And then fourth, the recognition of the cost. A recognition of the cost. That if this choice is made, this is what it could cost. If this decision is made, this is what it could cost. And we can live with wisdom by taking a fear of God and a knowledge of his word and the application of experience and a recognition of the cost. 
praying that you'll be full of wisdom. Protects and guides. Number two, and pray I'm praying that you'll be full of the Spirit. I'm praying that you'll be full of the Spirit. Pray, pray that you'll be full of the Spirit. Pray that your kids will be full of wisdom. Pray that your families will be full of the Spirit. This is in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Debauchery there, just foolish, unrestrained, ungodly living. And he says to be drunk with wine leads to, leads to that. One person described that being um, drunk with wine that leads to debauchery. It means that you're influenced toward disastrous decisions. And, and, And there's a contrast going on here. It's a vivid contrast for those in Ephesus. This vivid contrast between being drunk on wine and being filled with the Spirit. Because they had witnessed in their culture and in their environment the impact of being drunk with wine it was a part of their world around them and their culture around them for many many festivals to take place and many gods to be worshipped and in their culture and environment as they're seeking remember they're seeking to they're a new society they have this faith in Jesus Christ and they're trying to figure out how to live in a culture that is opposed to Christ They're trying to figure out how to live where the days are evil. And and the Apostle Paul addresses, here's something in your world. You see it every day. You see it in every every corner, the worship, one particular worship of of, of one called Dionysus. And in the worship of Dionysus, there were these Bacchus festivals. The word that's tied to wine and the vine. And it was filled with festivals of these drinking parties and, and, and just an abundance of alcohol use. And they would participate in this with the promise that this God, Dionysus, would grant to them in that time of drunken worship special powers. And they were hopeful for special powers for everyday living. And the Apostle Paul says, don't get drunk with wine there's a better influence there's a better way because of Christ and your faith in Christ be controlled by someone else be led by someone else be influenced by someone else and that's the Holy Spirit why do we need wisdom because wisdom protects and guides why do we need the Holy Spirit because he controls and compels he controls he says Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The word filled there means controlled, led by, influenced by. To be be filled by the Spirit means that your actions and your decisions and your choices and your way of living comes under the rule and the leadership and the control of the Spirit of God. 
Let's talk for just a moment about the difference between being sealed by the Holy Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit. We've called this whole series Sealed based on Ephesians chapter 1 that talks about the Holy Spirit when by faith we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It says that we are marked with a seal. We are, we are given a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That, that being marked, that, that guarantee is, is, is we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. At the time of our salvation, when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's a testimony of assurance and certainty and security that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are guaranteed our inheritance in heaven. To be sealed by the Holy Spirit has to do with eternal life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with daily living. There's there's one time when we are sealed. There's one time when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But there are many fillings. This day by day by day by day, as we carefully walk wise, as we carefully walk in the Spirit, as the Galatians says, as we keep in step with the Spirit, we're, that is a descriptor of being filled with the Spirit. One commentator says that when, when we're saved, we get all of the Holy Spirit there is to get. The question is, does the Holy Spirit get all of us? And as we pursue and submit and allow our life to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, He gets more and more of us. He controls us. I think in your life, are you controlled by the Holy Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? There's fruit of that. Galatians tells us that there's a fruit of the Spirit fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. It's the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's interesting that he contrasts being drunk with wine, which causes us to lose control, with being filled with the Spirit, which one of the fruits of that is self-control. The Holy Spirit also compels. And look at the compelling work of the Holy Spirit. It says, but be filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. And then you see the compelling work of the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. The compelling work of the Holy Spirit is to put a new song in our heart. One of the ways that you will know that you're keeping in step with the Spirit, that you're filled with the Spirit, is that there is some kind of song in your heart. This isn't about how you sound when you sing. This isn't about your style or your preference. It's not about how quiet or how loud you like your music. This is about uh, uh, the music of the heart, the singing of our faith. And one of the great gifts that we have as Christians are songs that declare truth about who God is and songs to sing to one another. Do you notice when we gather together how we sing? And oftentimes the songs are directed to the Lord. And the very words direct us to lifting praise to the Lord. But there are songs like Holy, 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 a hymn, 
that is not us always singing to the Lord. But there are songs that declare truth, and we hear that from people. And when you hear a crowd singing, we walk away and we, and we say, Man, I'm so encouraged today. I'm so strengthened today. And what's happened? The work of the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, a little bit of a warning for you to check yourself on. If there's no music in your heart, if singing just bothers you, it's not something you do. You gave it up a long time ago. It's for other people. There's no melody in your heart. Check to see if there's a problem between you and the Holy Spirit. Because the work of the Spirit in our heart when we're filled with the Spirit, there's a song there. And some people would even describe times of discouragement or depression where they would say, I lost my what? Song. I lost my song. What song? I don't know how to describe it. I just know my heart's not singing anymore. Take it to the Spirit. Take it to the Lord. No, I'm praying for you, that you'll be full of the Spirit. You notice when times of revival come across our globe, some part of the country where the Spirit of God's working, you know what always accompanies a mighty move of God? New music. New music. There'll be a new song. I think that's why it's heaven's described that way. In the full presence of the Lord where we see all things, he says, I sang a what? New song. I sang a new song. And you trace back over your life and you look at those time periods. Just, just take a little journey in your mind right now. When did God get a hold of your heart? Some of you love the hymns that we sing because you remember a time it transports you back to a building in a room maybe that was 115 degrees with a wasp flying around a ceiling fan. And you just remember singing that hymn and God never seemed closer to you than in that very moment. Carl, I was thinking this morning about our days at Macedonia. And we had this event called Youth Jam. And uh, once a year, we'd invite all the middle schoolers and all the high schoolers and they'd come to Macedonia Baptist Church and we'd sing and preach and the very first year I think we had over 80 teenagers saved during that week and that week was the first time I met Joel Goddard and it was the first time I had ever heard the song y'all remember this shout to the Lord see y'all remember shout to the Lord that song I'm not going to do it I know Jason got nervous you know, singers ought to sing, preachers ought to preach, all right? So uh, I, I, I just, but that song, Shout to the Lord, we sang it. I remember it was like 400 teenagers in a 160-person room. And all those teenagers singing for the first time, Shout to the Lord. It was like that wooden floor. I mean, it just, you could just feel that building rocking. And what was it? Just a song of the faith. It got a hold of a heart just overflowing 
check your heart when it comes to music and singing and a song and see if there could be a spirit issue. Third, I pray that you'll be full of wisdom. Pray that you'll be full of spirit. And number three, I pray that you'll be full of thanksgiving. In the days ahead, when you wonder, how's my pastor praying for me? No, I'm praying. You'll be full of wisdom, full of spirit, and full of thanksgiving. Wisdom, because it protects and guides. The spirit, because he controls and compels. Thanksgiving, because it humbles and focuses. And oh, how we need humility and we need focus in these days that are full. He says, giving thanks always and for everything. To God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How does thanksgiving humble us? Thanksgiving humbles us by combating pride. It combats us thinking that what we have is what we deserve. It, it combats us thinking that what we when we don't have something that we deserve more. It, it, combat, it combats us to thinking that what's come our way is because we fought so hard, we worked so hard, we gave so much. But Thanksgiving acknowledges that what we have and what we've received comes from somewhere outside of us. That person in our life, a gift from the Lord, that spiritual blessing, a gift from the Lord, that temporary moment, a gift from the Lord, that material possession, a gift from the Lord, and it humbles us as we acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. It's a recognition that someone else has brought the blessing to our life. And he says, give thanks. Not only does it humble, but thanksgiving focuses. It takes our eyes off of circumstances. It takes our eyes off of worries and focuses on God's promises and God's faithfulness and God's steadfastness, his goodness. It puts our eyes in the right place. He says, uh, and giving thanks and for everything, where? To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving humbles us by combating pride. Thanksgiving focuses us and combats anxiety. We live in a, in a, in a world right now that is, it is being, it is succumbing to just anxiety. Worry, worry, worry. And what Thanksgiving does is it fights and defeats anxiety. It puts our eyes in the right place. That what happens is not so much about me and what I can do and what's going to come toward me, but what's going on is, God, you're mighty, you're awesome, you're the Father, and Jesus, you're Lord, and you're the Messiah, and I want to thank you for being who you are, even in this situation where I'm tempted to worry and be anxious. It's so practical. And when we say full of thanksgiving, I'm talking about practicing it by giving it away. And here's the crazy thing about thanksgiving. The more you give thanksgiving away, the more you have in your heart. Mm. 
So it's practical. But they do it. We're almost out of here. This afternoon. Thank somebody. Call them. Write them. Text them. Say it to their face. Just thank them. Say it to the Lord. Say it out loud to him. Thank him. Here's a challenge. 30 for 30. Take the next 30 days. And for 30 seconds in the morning, take a moment to either write it down or text it or say it. Thank you for this. Full of thanksgiving. Because the days are full of evil, we must be full of wisdom, full of the Spirit, and full of thanksgiving. These verses are not deep in difficulty but they are heavy in impact think about it what in here right now 300 people 257 no I'm teasing 300 what just this room just this room leave the 9 o'clock hour alone alright just this room we walked out of here Father fill me with wisdom Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with thanksgiving. How different would our homes be? How different would our lives be? How different would our heart be? How different would our community be? I've noticed as my parents got older and getting older, I've noticed as I get older, there's so much concern now about falling right you've seen it you see it in your parents you see it in yourself there's so much concern about falling the older we get why is that because we know as we get older the impact that it can have the difference it can make the change it brings about when we fall Spiritually, as we grow in Christ and we get older in Christ, you know what we need? We need an increasing concern over how we might fall. We need to be very careful how we walk. And the way we're careful is to walk in wisdom, walk in the Spirit, and walk in thanksgiving. God help us walk carefully in Jesus name